Father in heaven, it's been a great camp meeting, not because of anything that any human being has done, because once again you have visited your campground here, and we are so grateful for your Holy Spirit being present. I pray, loving Father, that you will bless this last class of redemptive discipline. Your Holy Spirit will guide our conversation, and that what we do will be done in such a way that will help us to be more loving and more kind, and yet also stand for what's right and help our churches to grow and not weaken. May your spirit be in control of what I say and our ears that we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to, uh, today is going to be a pickup class to what we've been doing all week. I'm not going to go back and summarize because the faces I see today are familiar and you've all heard me say enough repeating all that I've said here, and so I'm not going to go back that way. We've talked about some pretty interesting things in this class, and it just reminds us that we have some very real issues going on in our churches today. Um, most of you that have, when I asked you to raise your hand yesterday, for individuals who have leadership responsibilities in the church. Now make sure, I've been teaching three classes a day. Right now, you all blend together um, and in just a little bit. But how many of you are in, uh, in leadership in your local church? Okay? All right. Um, so some of you are basically lay people in, uh, in, in your church. Is that what I'm hearing? Lay people in your church? Do we need that fan on? That one seems a little noisy to me. This is a smaller group. Would you mind turning that one off? I'm not sure I need that. These two up here are competition enough. Oh, that's the one that was making all that noise. Okay, that's better. <laughs> I thought it was that one back there. I couldn't even see that little one down there. So, I, Yeah, I understand that. We'll put it back on afterwards and, and then they can dry it out. But we've talked about uh, these areas and some of you are are, are members that don't have leadership responsibilities, don't sit on the church board. Others of you are, um, are leaders and you have been through these kinds of things. How many of you have actually been through? I'm great. Thank you, though, for asking. We are good. And I do have a bottle of water right here, and I'm good with that as well. And by the way, I emptied out one of the bottles, the things of water that we had, and I gave it out to my whole class <laughs> well, they had been so sweltering in that class, and I said, you know what, I don't want to take that set home, so I gave it out. There's more there, but I gave, got rid of it. Um, how many of you have actually gone through, from a leadership perspective, or even as a member, been to a business meeting where a disciplinary situation has actually uh, had to come to the church? How many of you have been through? Okay. Uh, without identifying the church, identifying the situation or whatever, was it a good experience or a bad experience? Good experience? Bad experience? Okay. I understand. I understand. I'm, I'm kind of working through a little thing here. I, and that's really what I want to hear. I mean, it's never a good experience because anytime you have to do that, it's because sin is present and being lived out and somebody's not, not, not turning back on it, okay? 
At that particular time, do you think that it could have been done better than it was? How many of you at that particular time, when that was going on, said, did we do everything we could have? Was our process really redemptive? Or did it feel more judgmental? You know, we talked about ostrich, we talked about judgmental, we talked about uh, redemptive. How many of you felt that the process that you were going through as, as a church, as a leader or whatever, at that particular time was really more judgmental? Okay. How many of you feel that the process you were going through had elements of redemptive or was redemptive? And it was going, okay, great. I'm glad to hear that. That's good. Of course, it'd be interesting to talk to the person that was being disciplined as to whether they felt it was redemptive or not. And that is one of the challenges we face, is that anytime we stand up to a situation, we talked about one yesterday here, and there's some elements in that that we've not discussed in this class directly, um, in terms of in depth. But uh, whether it's that situation or any other, one of the things that makes this especially uh, difficult is when we're starting to deal with our children. When I'm a leader in the church, when I'm the head deacon of the church, or I'm a Sabbath school superintendent in the church, and the person who is a member of the church that's decided to turn their backs, to, backs on the Adventist lifestyle, um, or, okay, let's keep it simple, they've decided to be a bank robber. And I've got to deal with that, and it's my child. Now we go from being a leader in the church to the emotions that come with that. And you know that that happens in our churches often. And that's one of the reasons why I believe a class like this is so valuable. It's because our churches need to learn how to do discipline, just like parents need to learn how to do discipline. I remember years ago when I was with my family and we were on a vacation trip and we were in a place where there was a lot of people gathered together. From the public, it was not, you know, it was on vacation and in a public place. And I remember how there were some parents there that obviously had not learned how to parent. They were not part of our group. My wife's a social worker, um, and I'm a pastor. I tend to be an ostrich, so I'm going to tell you that right now. All right, That's my natural tendency. And the kind of situation was going on is where the parents were being bordering on abusive to their kids. All right? So my wife is not going to stand for that. She's not going to deal with it, and I shouldn't either. I'm talking years ago. I think today I might be differently, but I still have to build up the courage to do it. But she stood up to them, and she said, that's not what you should be doing. Of course, the person said, it's none of your business. Stay out of it. Well, that happens in the church too, doesn't it? Happens in the church too. And where we have parents that are having a hard time learning how to discipline their children, in the church environment, and they let their kids run all over and do all of that. We need to be redemptive for those kids, but we also need to be redemptive for the adults in the church that are turning their back on God. And we need to have a process by which we're doing that. But when it comes to these kinds of things, you can get into conflict. Because when the head deacon, it's his son that is robbing banks, and you are getting ready to disfellowship him, and let's, let's, let's 
get a little more real in this. You know, most of our kids don't go the way of robbing banks. I'm not going to say they don't, but most don't. But there are some that get involved in pornography and then all the things that can come along with that. And they might wind up in jail as a result of that situation um, and become on a list for the rest of their lives. And uh, the church has to take a stand against that. When you're the head deacon and you know it's wrong and your child has done that and the church says we must take we must deal with this issue and we must we try we want to try to redeem them but the person continues to be involved in this we've got to deal with it conflict is likely to become a reality how do we deal with conflict in the church and these kinds of situations whether it's a person robbing a bank a person who's breaking the sabbath a person who is involved in some sort of immorality, a person who is not, uh, not representative of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and the things that we believe in the Bible, how do we deal with them when they come to be a problem in our church? So take this list, and um, I want to tell you about Ken Sand and his book. I've told you about it before, but now I want to spend some time with it. Again, just to remind you, Ken Sand, S-A-N-D-E. And I think I put that at the end of this somewhere. I meant to. Yeah, I did. I'm not sure about this. I, I found this online, and I was in a hurry when I was looking for it because I was getting my materials together, and it dawned on me that I needed this, and I thought it would be helpful. And I found it online, and I looked at it, and it told me that this was prepared by a, some Baptist church. And I don't know if they got permission to do this or not from Ken Sand, but Ken Sand deserves the, the uh, credit for this. And so I, at the end, I put uh, his name on it, because I want you to know where it came from and the book it came out of and the author so that you might be able to get some value out of it. But I want to show you what some of the details on are in relationship to this. By the way, I used it again today. I had some people talking to me about a conflict, and I said, you know, make sure that these elements are in here, so that God is being rightly represented. But it says here uh, that there are the four Gs. This is something that... that um, uh, Lawyer Sand, I don't know what, what do you call him, Esquire Sand? <laughs> Mr. Sand uh, developed, and he calls them the four G's of, of, uh, of peacemaking in that process. And by the way, before I get, I just saw Dr. Clayton come in. Dr. Clayton, you're very good at following lousy instructions. Yeah, when you went and got my, uh, my power pack, I really appreciated that. It was really good. And... Uh, I forgot that there were two black power packs in there, and he managed to figure out which one to bring to me and which one not to. So thank you very much. I really appreciated that yesterday. I'd forgotten I had my, my printer in there as well. So uh, Ken Sand uh, developed this, and this is how he works this so that you understand. If you're in the middle of a conflict, let's say that you're, you're having a conflict here, uh, uh, and uh, Ray, let's just say you and I are having a conflict right now, and we're trying to sort this out. One of the things that, you know, if I'm the mediator, now I want you two to have the conflict. That's better. It's not good for the 
instructor to be having the conflict. So I, I just need some real representatives here, just like uh, Nathan Green when he does a painting. You know, he's got to have somebody to actually to paint so that he's got that and, and does all that. So the two of you are in conflict. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be coming to you and I'm going to be saying to you, there are some things we want to make sure that are present in this conflict as we're trying to work it out. The first one is we want to glorify God through this conflict. All right. Now that may sound strange, but conflict is a way of life in a sinful world. Am I right? Conflict happens in all of our churches. All right, please raise your hand if your church has never had a conflict in it. I want to come visit your church <laughs> if you do raise your hand. Right, so so it's, it's a way. It's, it's a reality. How can I please and honor the Lord in this situation? So here, this camera's got me restricted here. I really want to come out there, but i, I got to stay with the camera. Let's say... Ray, you're upset with Joe because Joe, um, at church last week, he, he was talking to some people off the side and he was accusing you of, of uh, stealing his tractor from, from in front of his house and, and, and yada, 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 and he had this whole, this whole thing in mind and he was doing all of that and he was just so upset and all the church members heard you uh, in, a, in a discussion, Ray says, I didn't take your tractor. You know, I mean, I, what would I want with your tractor? I don't even, I know you took it. I saw you take it. I got out of there. I, whatever, okay? So Joe goes home, and he finds that his tractor is sitting at home just like, he, like it should be. Maybe somebody else took it, but it wasn't Ray, but his tractor's back there. <laughs> he didn't even borrow it. No, oh, they borrowed it. Yeah, 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 they did. But you thought it was Ray. But you don't correct it, and Ray's upset. Okay, and uh, Ray's trying to straighten this out, and, and I know Joe, so I'm, I'm glad to pick on him this way because he's not this way. But Joe, he's not going to say, I'm sorry for all the tea in China. And Ray comes to him and says, Joe, why did you say that? None of your business. Doesn't bother you, doesn't, whatever, I got my tractor back, you're okay, it's okay. But Joe, I've got people who heard you say that, they think I took your tractor. Too bad, so what, whatever. Now, that's the, that's the conflict that's going on there. And he's not about to back down. And Ray's looking like he stole a tractor when he didn't. And church members are now getting on Facebook. And did you hear that Ray took Joe's tractor? And on and on and on and on it's going. So now the pastor gets involved, or the elder gets involved, and, and says, all right, guys, we need to sit down and talk about this. Okay? And Joe reluctantly says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and I'll talk about it. doesn't want to. So one of the things I'm going to say to Ray and Joe is I'm going to say, in this conflict right now, how are we going to please God and honor Him and glorify Him? Now you tell me, in this conflict, how could this possibly become something that honors and glorifies God? I'm sorry? If there's healing in the relationship, what does that do? That turn around, turns around and glorifies God, doesn't it? It lifts that up. Dan, you have a look on your face like I left something or lost something. You're what? 
Oh, well, somebody ate the bread. I don't know about the books. Okay, I don't see either one of those, so I'm not sure. Okay, couldn't be gone too far, I wouldn't think. Look down at, just in case somebody took it and, and took it down to safety, sometimes they will do that. Just look down there, okay? So, the healing that can take place from this, does that give glory to God? Okay, how does that healing give glory to God? I'm sorry? Okay, keep going. We become healed and we're closer to God. But those around us and those that we influence in the church and have seen this and have known this, well, they've got that together. So everybody can really draw back closer to God and they can feel that divine. So there's a couple of things that happen, and I, I think it's Ken Sand who actually uses this illustration in relationship to this. Yeah, it is him. And this is his story. He said he had a, um, I think it was either a, a, a colleague, it was a colleague or somebody that he knew, I think it was a colleague, and she was an attorney, and he'd been inviting him to, uh, her to, to come to their church. And finally, one day, this colleague decided to come to church. And would you, it's not a Seventh-day Adventist church. Sounds just like one, though. <laughs> and uh, at the church service, the pastor gets up and, and he says, you all, I need, to, I need to apologize to the congregation. Because last week, you saw me and brother so-and-so in a pretty heated argument over something, yada, yada, whatever, okay? And he said, I want you to know that, that I was wrong in that, and I made a real mistake, and that brother Smith and I have connected and reconciled and worked that whole situation out, and it's behind us, and we're done, and we're brothers in the Lord again, and, and all. And Ken says, why this week? Why did the pastor have to get up and say that? I finally got this colleague of mine to come to church, and what is the pastor doing? He's showing all his dirty laundry, so to speak, and how bad a person he is, and how he does this. And... Uh, so they're talking later afterwards, and, the, and Ken, Sand says, Ken Sand says, I am so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. She says, what? She says, I thought that was fantastic. She says, that was, that was terrific. Because people can get in, in, in disagreements and whatever, but when, when I can see that God is working enough to correct problems, that tells me this is a real place where God is real and God is working really in people's lives and changing their lives. We are not willing to be what God wants us to be. We are real sinners and sometimes we need to correct those problems and those problems give glory to God when we let God have the glory for correcting that problem. Please.
You know, folks, I, I'm really glad he said that because I haven't really addressed that. But we as leaders in our churches need to be teaching our people how to handle media. Um, media is literally killing people. Okay? Literally killing people today. And because of the way people are being treated in it, and it's happening in the church, not just out of the church. And when, when internal family, church family issues begin to get out on Facebook and start to involve, you know, most people have Facebook friends. And men, most of us have friends that are not Seventh-day Adventists. And when we start talking about this stuff on Facebook, and even if, they, even if it's a closed thing within the church, it still is evil. It's gossip. It's gossip of the worst kind. And utilizing that, we shouldn't be having those kinds of conversations. Now, you know that. That's why you came to this class. But start teaching people in your church, and perhaps even inviting the pastor to talk about it and help to correct those problems because they... They are evil, and we don't want them to happen. So, top of this list, don't let it be on Facebook. So, thank you, Joe and Ray, for not putting it on Facebook. Okay. The second, the second aspect of this is, so let me go back to this so it's clear. So, I'm saying to you, Joe, you've been upset with, with Ray, and he's upset with you because of what you said, but you've not made it right with him. But Joe, what I'm really concerned about is what are we going to do in this situation that's going to glorify God? And I'm, I'm saying to you, Ray, you know, we've got, to, we've got to settle this thing. What are we going to do that's actually going to correct this, this problem and put it behind us so that we can glorify God? Both of you are involved in this conflict and we need both of you to come to that particular point. And so that's what our time is going to be spent for in today is working to glorify God. Now take the look at the checklist. I saw your hand. Take a look at the checklist under Glorify God and look at some of the things that are there, okay? You as an individual, Joe, you as an individual, Ray, you as an individual, the rest of us, are asking this question, striving earnestly, diligently, and continually to live at peace with those around me. Am I doing that? Okay? Remember that Jesus' reputation is affected by the way I get along with others. Do I recognize that? Guarding against Satan's schemes and false teachings which are designed to promote selfishness and incite conflict. Am I, what's happening with me in regard to that? Now, do you see what's happening here? When I'm bringing this tool to Joe, and let's face it, Joe, you're the problem. Okay? You accused him of stealing. No, no. Listen to me. Um, Anyway, <laughs> you play your part too well, Joe. <laughs> okay. The, um, the issue here is that I'm coming to you and I'm asking you as a Christian to step back from your problem long enough to know, and Ray too, because you've got to ask, what am I doing to contribute to this? And in, in Ray's case, let's go back and say, Ray, you did put it on Facebook, so you shouldn't have done that, okay? And you're defending yourself because Joe has been accusing you, and you put it on Facebook. So you're contributing to the problem in the church. Shame on you, Ray. <laughs> so I'm saying to you both, how are these things being manifested in your life? It's a, this is a tool that you can use in working with people 
And if your church has even figured out a way to do, begin to deal with conflict before it comes, you can, you can teach everybody in the church that if a conflict arises, this is a tool we'll use. I mean, you can use that as a way to, to bring it. So, you know, you can say, um, Joe, you know that in our church, uh, six months ago, we had a training class where we were talking about uh, how to correct a conflict should it come in. You guys weren't in conflict then. And we, we said that if a conflict arises, we're going to step back and start asking ourselves some questions to make sure that we're not contributing to this in a way that dishonors God. And so now that it's come, here's the checklist. I want you to start stepping back from the problem long enough and ask yourself, am I trusting in God and uh, trusting that God is in control and working for my good and the good of others, even when I must undergo suffering? And that might be Ray saying that more. Uh, obeying God, pray, uh, giving God praise and thanks for his goodness and his help. In other words, what we're doing is just stepping back here and we're asking ourselves how this is affecting my relationship with God and am I doing that which honors and glorifies God? Am I doing that? That's what's happening here. And so that's what this section is all about. Do you understand what's happening here? Do you grasp what this tool is, is trying to accomplish? Okay, let's go to the... You didn't raise your hands. Do you get it? You're going to have a question about this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason we're doing this is not to supersede the Spirit of God, but to give us a tool by which we... We're not professional counselors. Okay? But we're stepping in here to try to find ways of, of looking back and making sure that we're not contributing to the problem, helping the people that are struggling with it. Okay, the second G is to get the log out of your eye, all right? I'm so sorry you didn't realize that checklist was there. You're probably wondering where we are. I think she's figured out where it is, and that's great. The second is get the log out of your eye, and we have to be willing to do that. Um, some of the questions here, well, the basic thing is decide whether something is really worth fighting over. With God's help, I will define the issues and decide how they are related and deal only with the issues that are too important to be overlooked, beginning usually with personal issues. Overlook minor offenses. Uh, back of the next page, change my attitude by recalling how God has forgiven me, being gentle towards others. You see, what you and I don't know about this problem with Ray and Joe is you just heard Joe accusing Ray of stealing his tractor. And, and you, you don't realize that there's a history there. Ray has been stealing tractors from Joe for the last several years. And only recently has Ray quit stealing tractors from Joe. Now, he was borrowing them all the time, but they just never got back to him, okay? And, and that's really the history behind this situation. And so Joe, when he made this accusation, he's not crazy. He's not just gone off the deep end. He's, 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 he's a good person, but he remembers all the tractors that Joe, I mean, that Ray took from him, and he's sure he saw Ray back in his yard again taking a tractor out of his yard. You must be neighbors. <laughs> and so getting the log out of your eye is, get, is getting to the, going back to the, the bottom of the situation and finding out what's going on. 
And Joe remembers all the things in the back, and he's saying, but Ray has been such a scoundrel, and he's done all these things, and that's why I was feeling that way. So Joe, the question is, is there anything in your life that could be possibly blocking this here? You've got the past history to deal with, but what happened in the past that you haven't forgiven yet? Is there something going on in your life? You are so quick to accuse him of taking it, and you know he didn't because it's there, and it was after church that your tractor was found back in your yard, and you know you just left him there five minutes ago. He couldn't have gotten the tractor back in your yard, so it wasn't him. So is there something that you need to forgive that's been causing this problem? It's not, I'm trying to illustrate this in the best way that I can, but to help us realize that this tool begins to help us to get to the bottom of conflict and to try to find solutions and working through with it. And I'm not going to deal with all the pieces of this, but I just want to present this to you. There's two, sec two other sections here. First of all, before talking to others about their wrongs with God's help, I will ask myself these things before I do that. Because part of what's giving glory to God is me learning not to accuse Ray of something when he didn't do it. And not to sound off and begin to cause these kinds of troubles. And then when I see that I have sinned with God's help, I will repent, I'll confess my sin, and I'll change my attitudes and behaviors by praying that God for God's help and helping me with it. In this situation, you see what we're doing here, folks, is we're trying to make this conflict resolution a spiritual uh, activity of the church. We have in our churches, for the most part, we ignore conflict, which is why we're not doing redemptive discipline, because we know that redemptive discipline is likely to bring conflict. We know it's the head deacon's son that's having this, this problem. And if we address it, you know, I'm the head elder of the church. If I go and talk to the deacon, the head deacon of the church, and tell him, you know, we've got to do something about this. And the head deacon's going to say, you know what, it's none of your business. Leave it alone. And Or the head deacon says, you know what? If we do anything about this and my son leaves the church, it's going to be your fault because the, my son left the church. It's going to be your fault that he's not in the kingdom of heaven. You just leave it alone and let the Lord take care of it. Well, the problem is that, you know, the son is making a mockery of God by his lifestyle and the community knows all about it. Now, folks, I can tell you, as the ministerial director for the Michigan Conference, that I know of some churches in the Michigan Conference where the communities know the dirty laundry that's going on in the local Seventh-day Adventist church. And they are asking the community, is asking the question, what's going on? How is it possible that this could be going on in this so-called Christian church and these things are happening? And the church has resisted doing anything about it. And when I can tell you a situation that developed where the pastor finally stood up to that particular situation in that local church, and then the church members started to chew on the pastor. And I'm talking about the kinds of stuff that I know that you would react with disgust and that the public reacts with disgust about and was present in the local church. And the local church, when it came up 
The people started to beat up the pastor and others because of what they were doing because it involved family. I can tell you that story, but I'm not going to do it because I don't want to, I don't want to bring it out I'm, uh, here and disrupt somebody else. But I'm telling you, these are real issues. They really do happen. It's because the church for years had not been dealing with that problem. Do you have any kinds of problems like that in your church? Don't answer that question. You know if you do. And you know what's going on and things need to be rectified and corrected. And you've not had the tools, but one of the tools you haven't had is the church has not been willing to stand up and deal with the issue because of the potential for conflict. Do you think I'm right? Am I, am I, I'm in, am I in the real world here? Or am I going down a track where you're saying, Pastor, you, you know, that's just not an issue in most of our churches today. Okay? It's a major issue in, in our churches a little bit. All right, let me keep going. The next G is go. And I'm talking to this, these guys here. And, and it's go and show your brother his fault. This is Matthew 18 that we've been talking all about. But there are a couple principles that that are, you know, that um, Ken Sand has brought out here that are helpful in working with this. But this is why Ray did go to Joe and tried to correct it, and it wasn't getting corrected. And so now we've had to bring in some other individuals that are involved in this. When I learn that someone has someone something against me, I will go to that person to talk about it, even if I don't believe that I've done anything wrong. Part of this is when I'm teaching a church how to resolve conflict, and I'm saying conflict hasn't even come in yet. But since I know it's going to come to your church, I'm telling you that if you are one of the members of this church and you see that conflict, you want to ask yourself these questions about whether these things are beginning to affect you and how they're involved and how you're involved in these particular items. And if you see that there's a problem developing in, in the church, Help a brother to go to a brother. Help a sister to go to a, a sister. Help a brother to go to a sister where there's a conflict going on and get that situation corrected. And if I'm involved in it, I must make sure that I'm following Matthew 18. And the last one is go and be reconciled. When I forgive someone with God's help, I will make these promises. All right, now... This one gets down to where the hard work sometimes comes in. Because when you're working with people in conflict, there's sometimes when people don't want to don't want to be reconciled. They don't want the situation to be rectified. So let's talk about Ray and Joe here for a moment. And uh, Ray wants to get this thing straightened out and he wants it corrected. And right now the church has really kind of gotten gotten the word, yeah, Ray didn't take the tractor and and in all of that, and that, that part of it's settling down. But Joe's still upset. Joe's still upset at Ray about the past. And Joe is just having a hard time letting it go right now. And part of it is because Joe is embarrassed. Because he accused Joe, Ray of taking the tractor, and, and he didn't take the tractor, and now Joe's looking really bad. And some people don't like to look bad, do they? And sometimes they'll withdraw, and they'll become in this kind of, this kind of situation. And now the question that we've got to ask, and I'm going to play this two ways. The first part is this. Ray, Joe won't forgive you. From the past, he's still angry about the past. 
He won't correct it. He's still going to live on this kind of thing. The question now for Ray is, is Ray going to be willing to forgive him and let it go? Ray may say, well, he needs to make it right. Well, you know what? He can't. I mean, he's not going to. So Ray has to say, well, I'm willing to forgive and let it go, and I'm going to, I'm going to move on. So now it, it leaves the situation where that conflict, in, the, in essence, is still there, but Ray has set it aside, and it's gone. And the church knows about it. It might even be that someone has, somebody has to say something in public about it. But Joe is still going to have, hold on to this. I can't force Joe to forget about the past and correct it, can I? So Joe chooses to do that. That's there. All right. Let's leave that for a moment. Got an interesting question for you. Redemptive discipline. We discipline people who have, have someone who has an affair, someone who robs a bank. We discipline someone who has um, who is working on the Sabbath, who's developed an immoral lifestyle. We discipline someone who would take the name of God in vain or, or break the first or second commandment, has idols in their house and bows down to them. Don't see much of that in today's society. It's there in more subtle ways. We discipline over all kinds of things. What are we going to do about Job? Okay, well, let's make it easy because the way you asked it could make it real complicated, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it a little, a little easier to answer that question. Yeah, he's still kind of stirring up trouble. You know, he's not robbing any banks, he's not having an affair, he's not whatever, but he's just kind of disruptive in the church and over it, and he's still upset about it, and he's making a big deal, and he's all over Facebook about it, and all that kind of stuff. Does the church, should the church, must the church do anything about it? Okay? Speak to me. Tell me what you think. Please. So, You said professional career or in your career, what, what is that? Okay, okay. So you're working with salespeople, you've got to correct those conflicts that might be coming in. Okay. Okay, good. Yes, please. I would think that we're not in the world, but we're trying to be, 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 be
I'm, I'm, I'm raising a stinky issue a little bit. You're tapping your glasses. I'm trying to figure out if that means anything. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm being a little, I'm being a little whatever today. But I'm asking some questions. And I'm not trying to open the door. I know this is being recorded. It may be when I get done, I erase it all and not let anybody listen to this kind of thing. I want you to take your, um, I want you to take this material that I gave you, because you've got your notebooks and you've got all the stuff that I put into there before. Take the church manual section out. If you don't have the church manual section, I have a copy of it up here. Okay, I, I should have done them in different colors, but I did them all in white. It was easier that way. That's the one. Yeah, it looks like this, so that you know what it looks like. Okay? It says discipline, and it's up at the top it says Seventh-day Adventist Church Manual. I want you to take a look at this for a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at uh, number one. Let me just go through these reasons here real quick without bogging down too far. Denial of faith, the fundamentals of the gospel, and the fundamental beliefs of the church, teaching doctrines contrary to the same. I, we all get that. Violation of the law of God. Well, we all get that too, but... Sometimes we haven't thought much about profanity. We haven't thought about gambling. I know of people in the church, I know of people in the Seventh-day Adventist church that won the lottery in Michigan and then gave some of the money to the church. Okay. Yeah, they did. Yep, yep. Violation of the commandment of the law of God, number three, which reads, I shall not commit adultery, so we're getting the marriage issue and all of that. Four, fornication, okay, various forms and whatever. Five, the production use, production of pornographic material, yeah, we get that. Six, remarriage of a divorced person except the spouse, whatever. Seven, physical violence, including violence in the family. Eight, fraud or willful misrepresentation. misrepresentation. Nine, Disorderly conduct, which brings reproach upon the church. Ten, adherence or taking part in divisive or disloyal movement or organization. Eleven, persistent refusal to recognize constituted church authority or to submit to order and discipline. Twelve, you know the items that are there. There are a couple areas in here. I'm not trying to create more areas for discipline in the church, so I want you to understand but what I am talking about here is the need for the church to recognize that when there are serious conflicts in the church and there are individuals that are perpetuating that conflict and stirring up the local church, somebody's got to do something about it. And somebody's got to work to stop that conflict. And if Joe is so rebellious that he's not listening to to counsel and he's not allowing this to come to an end and it's stirring people up in the church. What are we going to do? Let the church split because of Joe's rebellion? No, we've got to deal with it. That's my basic point. That's all I wanted to make uh, here. Any other further thoughts on this? Yeah, we could do that. I don't see that. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's available.
conversation with him. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Negotiate, huh? <laughs> yeah, Ray, bless your heart. Thank you for being willing to participate in this little discussion along the way. Um, the issue of forgiveness is a big deal in a local church. And we don't discipline people who have not forgiven people, but I've had people in my church who have harbored bitterness against people in the church for years, 30 years, 20, 30 years, been upset with people for what, uh, what somebody did. And in some cases, it's been family members. I, I know of family members who haven't talked to mother or father, um, and they're still in the same church. Go figure, right? And they've not encountered, uh, and, and, and they've not worked through this issue and, and choose not to work through that issue. Um, it's not a disciplinary issue in the, that sense, but it is a conversion issue. Because when you read what Jesus says about forgiving, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that if you don't forgive your brother or your sister or your mother or your father for something way in the past or whenever, you're not going to be in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because Jesus' prayer was, forgive me as I forgive... Right, because... If I've not learned to forgive, then God is not really working in my heart because I've not allowed Him to work in my heart. Okay? Yes? Sometimes, sometimes when a person is offended by someone quite deeply, mm -hmm. and they hold that against that individual, and I'm not going to do anything until he apologizes the other individual may not even realize that he offended that individual. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if that person says anything to somebody else about it, then that person should try to persuade him to approach the person and tell him. And to be able to correct that, that's part of why the church families do need to learn how about this process. Now, as we've been talking about this, I want to move this back down into the local church and the churches you represent. How many of you from Michigan churches? Okay. What do you think? Give me some ideas of what you think can be done proactively to begin to address the issues before they become an issue. What do you think you could do in your local church? What ideas come to your mind from listening to this class? What what questions are going on in your mind? But let's start, first of all, with what are some of the things that you would like to, to be able to do or do you need help from the conference on? Whatever. I'm just thinking, I want to start pushing this back to the local church. So, before the meeting, one, two, seven years ahead, we actually spent a decent amount of time, I'd say about an hour anymore, with the basis of the road, basis of another, whoever's getting across. Wow. Did, did anybody in that situation actually say, yeah, I've been upset with you, or and, and, and want to correct that? 
I don't mean you, but I mean other people in that church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. One caution. What I like about that, that's a practical application of working to try to, to heal things in the church over a period of time and work through them. One caution is sometimes when, you know, we're all tempted to whatever, and we've got to be careful what we start sharing with other people. Um, and Ellen White makes that clear too. Uh, in Ministry of Healing, she talks about those private things. Because sometimes, you know, if I've been... If I've been jealous of somebody's new car or whatever, and then I go and talk to them about being jealous about that, that new car and all, and that person starts thinking, I wonder what else they're jealous about. Or, you know, sometimes we've got to be careful we don't plant ideas in people's minds that actually increase conflict rather than do it. To me, the, the special value of doing something like that is when there has been a conflict that's open and everybody knows about uh, that needs to be rectified, or, or, even, yeah, or e- even if other people don't know about it, but it's between us and I need to correct it. Or if it's a situation where I said something and you took it as an, as an offense and you've been upset with me the whole time. Okay, and, and in a situation like that, you say to me, you know, I've been upset because of what you said about me. And like Joe said, oh, you know, it was a situation where I didn't even know about it. I didn't even realize that that had happened. And that I had said that, and what I was saying was taken out of, totally out of conflict, uh, context, and you probably should have come to me, you should have come to me before that. Why did you hold that grudge? No. And, and you understand what I'm saying? So those kinds of situations really... Um, really can be helpful. All right, I appreciated that. I saw other hands. Yeah, it, 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 there are times when it should be, yes. All right, other thoughts here. What, what, how could you take the principles we've been talking back here to your local church? Make it practical now. You didn't just come here for a, a class in theory. How are you going to translate this back into your local church, leaders that raised your hand? How are you going to take it back to your local church? I'm making you think, but tell me, how are you going to take it back? How would you do that? Do you know a pastor that you could do that with? <laughs> I don't know how many of you know Michelle, but she's the, one of the pastor's wives, and, and do that. Okay, so you're saying that one of the ways that you can do that is by start being proactive back in your local church and working with the leadership of the church, the elders, maybe meeting with the board of elders and talking to them about these kinds of things before they become uh, a problem or de- develop in anything. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right, that's good. Yes, please. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So the body, the, the, the board of elders is especially important in relationship to being able to control, not control, but to mitigate these things and to work through them as they begin to happen. You know, when I'm teaching three classes here, it reminds me of trying to pastor three churches at the same time. And I can't keep everything straight from one to the other because you're busy doing that. But when you're the elder or the leader in a local church, you do have a pulse of what's going on in most cases. You're paying attention to what's happening. And when we ignore things that are going on and not dealing with it in an appropriate way, yeah, those things can be. That's a good illustration of how that happens. And by the way, this people sitting in my pew thing really happens. And you, you know that, right? I mean, it really happens. I, I don't think I've ever had it happen to me. I've got to think about that. My, my wife has. And I remember... Um, uh, one of our conference treasurers uh, a few years ago, he, they walk, he and his wife came to a church on Sabbath and they sat down somewhere and somebody came along and says, I'm sorry, but you're sitting in my pew. And, and they're, I mean, we aren't kidding. They are upset that he's sitting in the pew. We're talking about a conference leader. I don't care whether it is or not. As a matter of fact, I'm glad it was a conference leader and not a visitor. But you know what happened to a visitor as well, and they probably never came back again because they weren't worried, they didn't want to sit in somebody else's pew. Anyway, so, okay. Now, here's what I'm trying to say to you now. Please don't take this class and just simply make it another class. Think about how you're going to apply this back in your local church. If you're an elder, are you going to take this back to your board of elders? If you're on the board, are you going to talk about it at the board and say, what are we, can we do to be proactive? Because there are conflicts in our church, but they, there, are, there are times when it could be worse than that. And there are issues that we're going, you wait until the conflicts have come and it's too late. So I'm looking for ideas of ways that you might be able to apply it in your church. Okay?
So the issue there, what you were trying to do, is you're applying redemptive discipline. The issue is everybody knows that he's smoking, okay, and they know that they've got that problem and it's there. But what you're trying to do is, every, as long as there's progress being made, that you're trying to work redemptively in relationship. At some point, if he doesn't, you've got to deal with it. You just have to deal with it. Otherwise, you're not being consistent with the church. But in the meantime, you are dealing with it because by not dealing with it, there are people that are looking on and they're saying, what difference does it make? You don't care about them. You, okay, all right? All right, you all, are you thinking? Are you, what's going on here? I know it's the last seminar and it's the last few minutes of the last seminar and your mind is already thinking about supper and, and all. How are you going to translate this into your local church? Right? Yes, okay, let's Let's talk about the context of that. Here we are. We're in Grow, Michigan. We're talking about uh, BibleStudyOffer.com. We're wanting our churches to grow and develop. We're putting these tools into place. We're talking about Unlock Revelation and public evangelistic meetings coming on. Why in the world would I want to talk about this? I'm having a hard time getting people to do Bible studies, and I'm having a hard time getting ready for Unlock Revelation. Pastor, why do you want me to do this? Help me out. Why do I want you to do this? What's the right context to try to deal with it on? I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> because if, there, if we've got challenges going on in our churches that we're not addressing, God cannot bless us in bringing people into our church. If the problems are, I mean, you know, I'm talking about the moral problems and all. The others we're going to have to work on in time. But we can't ignore these things for simple reasons, as Dr. Clayton said, in relationship to people that come in and they're trying to quit smoking, and you've got somebody that's smoking, and you're trying to tell him to quit, but why aren't you dealing with that? And why can't I be baptized? And you're doing that, and so on and so forth. But what about the fact that there are times when there are squabbles and there are things going on in your church and you're, you've got real fights going on and then you want to try to bring church members into that, but you're not dealing with it because you have got your head in the sand, ostrich-wise, or you're just, you're not, you don't know how to deal with it because you don't have the tools in place and those things are not happening. I, you know what? Don't ever be the ministerial director because you'll learn a lot about what's going on in the churches and the challenges that are out there and people that are having a hard time getting along with each other. And it's not just pastor on member, it's many times member on member and the conflicts that are going on and how they're beating up and the people call the ministerial director and they say, you know what, I'm trying to go to this church but the people are so nasty to me, I just don't even want to go to that church anymore. Now, why would you have an evangelistic meeting while that problem is going on? Now, I said that to make a point. Don't stop having evangelistic meetings, but solve the problem so that it doesn't spill over and other people get caught up into it and people say, I don't want to be part of this church. 
You know, as, as Ken Sands used this illustration, if the church had not learned how to resolve that problem and the pastor and that church member had not resolved that problem and the, the, the discussion was the pastor getting up in front of church and, and saying, you know, brother so-and-so has been said these bad things about me last week and I hope that you will deal with him. And that person had come here uh, and with, with Mr. Sand and had heard that. Why would they want to come back? Okay. Please. I see your hands and I'm going to come to you in a second. Raise your hands again if you sit on your church board. Okay. Those of you who raised your hands because you sit on the church board, does it make sense to you that allowing these conflicts to go on in your church is not the responsibility of the pastor, but is the responsibility of the church board to address? You, you get what I'm saying, okay? So I'm talking to leaders in the church. If you don't, if you don't intervene and you don't work to stop the problems there, who's responsible for it? Okay. So I, I'm, I'm being really. What's that? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I knew that. From the beginning. So for the record, the ministerial re director is responsible for all the problems of the local jury. So, so, <laughs> so what, I'm, what I'm saying to you is don't allow that to happen in your church. But even better, start working in your church. One of, this class has been part of two class series that I've been teaching this week that are focused on leadership. You notice it's been under the category of leadership in, in the advertising material. One of my, work, my goals and my responsibilities is, as the ministerial director is to help leaders become leaders. If you're not challenged as a leader to be a leader, 
then I'm not doing my job. I did not generate this class or decide to teach this class for the purpose of making you feel comfortable. Now, maybe you thought you came to this class because of it, but you didn't come to a redemptive discipline class thinking that you were going to go out of here comfortable. I know you didn't. And, and I'm challenging you as a leader that only leaders who are making changes are making a difference. If the church is the same when you got done with your leadership role as it was when you came in, then you weren't leading. You weren't fulfilling your role. You should be questioning. Now, I, I know there are going to be people who come in and say, what's with you? What do you have to do to upset everything? We were doing just fine. No, you weren't. There were problems that were going on. Things aren't going just fine, and they aren't there. Now, use good processes. Don't come into the business meeting and start saying, you all are bickering with each other and fight. That's not where you deal with it. And even in the board, because chances are they might be family members that are part of whatever conflict. But find the right people to begin to connect with and begin to develop a process by which you begin to solve problems. Start with a pastor and say, Pastor, you know there's some challenges in here. Start with a head elder. Maybe, you know, Clayton already reminded us that, that um, pastors are busy. So start with a head elder and say, how can we work to begin to teach people to deal with this? And if that head elder is not willing to be a leader, challenge them to be a leader and say, look, you know, I'm not perfect here, but you're the leader in the church. God wants you to lead this church and to help it to be able to deal with these things. So I'm, I'm telling you, you have the tools. You have the ability. You have the position as leaders in the church to be able to deal with it. Now, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're not off the hook. You're not off the hook because you're a member of God's church. You're a disciple in the church. And if the leaders are not leading, then you need to come in prayerfully, start with prayer. Elders, leaders, non-leaders, you all always start with prayer. And make it a matter of prayer. Be serious about prayer. And say, Lord, how are we going to stop this issue? Folks, if we don't stop this, the latter rain cannot be poured out. And it has to come from the Spirit of God working with us. But God can't give us a, His Spirit when the conflicts are being ignored that are in the church. And He says, I can't do this with you. I can't do this with you until you, I can't give you the Holy Spirit until you're serious enough about your relationship as a church family to begin to address these issues and correct the problems. Am I right? Okay, you had your hands up and then we need to quit. I believe when the leadership in the church fosters a redemptive love mm -hmm. within themselves and, and not when you've got a problem to solve, mm -hmm. but to prevent problems from coming up. And the church, and they get that into the church fellowship, the members will see that. And a lot of these nitpicky problems that turn out to be splits will never appear because it will be taken care of because they'll have that love toward one another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please. Um, the redemption and discipline process I, I've seen that it can take years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes way too years. And so Mrs. White, and I don't remember where she said that, but 
she says, the concept of uh, discipline, when you get things done, all you're supposed to do, and, and I have it in my own family, they didn't have to do selfish stuff. Either they're going to wake up to their danger and come back, or they never were going to come back, but they're setting up the other church for Sometimes I wonder if the churches cannot, and I think you alluded to this already, cannot be blessed because it's too much sin on the And so, we are only one person, or maybe there's multiple, and we can go and see how we want to on our board. But if other people are not like-minded, what I have to do is I have to speak up because I know that whatever I say is being heard and reported in heaven. And the rest of the you just made a point that's a great place for us to pull this together with. One of the things that I'm seeking to challenge you with and why I've spent the last few minutes in pushing you is because you don't want to just go out of here with blank stares. You want to ask yourselves, what is it going to take in a church to be able to address these issues? And one of the reasons that even when the church board deals with it, when the rest of the church is not on board, that you have these conflicts then begin to generate is because there's not been an education process in that local church about how we go about dealing with them. Whether the church is small or large, somebody has to begin teaching the church how to work through problems. It's, it's like if you're a counselor and you're dealing with parents who uh, had nobody ever taught them how to be a parent, and these parents actually want to learn how to be a parent, somebody's got to teach them how to do that because their parents didn't teach them. They, they come from a home that just didn't get that and they don't know how to go about doing that. And so somebody now is trying to teach them. We need to teach a church how to become um, a family and how to correct problems when they rise in the family. And if we haven't been doing it, we need to say we haven't been doing it. We haven't been doing the right thing. We need to step up and begin to implement the tools. So the goal that I've had, I think um, you are beginning to understand, and I think many of you picked it up, if not all of you. And that is the goal is that, number one, you're equipped to understand what redemptive discipline is, what the processes are, what the tools are that you can utilize in order to be able to work redemptively in your church. But I also want to ask you to pray and to think about how you're going to teach your church about that process, be proactive about that process before it, before it happens, and to be able to, uh, to work and, and also teach when it does happen. Because it's going to be an ongoing process. People aren't always going to be a part of that or even want to hear it, and it's going to be an ongoing thing. Thank you. For being here, it's been a, you've been a great group. Uh, don't forget the uh, survey that I gave you. The um, how did, how did this class uh, go for you? Did it help you? Do you have tools to work with? Those are the kinds of things that I want to know about. Do you have ideas of what we could do better in the future? Uh, all of that I'm I'm looking for. So please be sure to do that. Uh, I'm going to have a closing prayer, and as you fill that survey out, just turn it over, leave it on the table. I'll pick them up from you. And again, thank you. Have a wonderful rest of the camp meeting. So hard to believe we're where we're at, but it's not over yet. And I know that you'll enjoy uh, Elder Bradshaw and his presentations and be blessed. And may you also be challenged, just like me, in my walk with Jesus. Let's bow our heads for prayer.
Father, we have talked together, we have studied together, and as we have prayed over this issue of redemptive discipline and conflict management in the local church, we realize that it's broader than we wish it were, but the need is also serious that we need to be able to correct the problems in our church so that we become brothers and sisters who love one another, and even when things don't go right, we have a way of being able to rectify those problems and reconcile our relationships. I pray that each person that's been in this class will be able to find in you the wisdom, the strength, and the direction to be able to build stronger churches because they are willing to address these issues. Thank you for Jesus that especially reconciled us to heaven. May we help others experience the same. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.